time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Scoops with Danny Mac. This is the Wednesday edition. Hope you all are doing well. 65780 if you want to chime in. And we'll rattle through some of the headlines happening currently in the world of sports. And there's plenty to get to. Uh, let's see. But the number one thing I want to talk about is Randy's carrot cake. That was spectacular. Scott, did you have any of the carrot cake? Yeah, he actually made an alternate version. So this is like the alternate carrot cake. What do you mean alternate version? There's no walnuts on top on this one. So oh, normally okay. he puts walnuts. I have a nut allergy. And oh, I, okay. He made the walnuts last time for me. Yeah. I tried to power through. And I had one, and I started having my throat swell up a little you bit. You had hives. And- I didn't say anything, though. I, <laughs> what do you mean you I, didn't say anything? I finished my shift. I finished my shift. What's I didn't say anything. You, man? I was too scared. Too scared? You, if you have a nut shut. allergy, you don't eat the walnuts. I hadn't had a walnut in a long time. I what was is like, the matter here, with right? you? It's not a good idea. No, not good at all. We I, don't need you dropping over on the floor. Just I, say, Randy, I, I, you know, I thank you very much for this. I have a nut allergy. If you wouldn't mind, could we please get one without nuts? And that's he came through for me. That's awesome. <laughs> that was spectacular. Incredible. I mean, he, he needs to like open up his own little stand at Schnooks with that type of carrot cake. Be a smart man. All right. Jeff Passing was on the fast lane yesterday of ESPN. And we're edging closer now to the Cardinals and MLB having to make a decision on when the Cardinals will come back. So we know that uh, the games on Thursday, those have been postponed. So that would have been the doubleheader against Detroit. So now we're looking at uh, what would be about a week in Chicago with the White Sox and the Cubs. And Passing was asked about if the Cardinals will be able to restart their season and play the games that they have missed. If we look at the way that uh, that the outbreaks tend to happen, and if we look at contact tracing and how it works, the belief inside of the organization and at Major League Baseball is that they will be able to play on Friday. But guys, didn't we think the same thing last time? Like, didn't we think that they were going to be able to play, like, over the weekend? Yeah, yeah pretty I mean, well. Yeah, I, it's it's one of those things where where we gotta you know before we think that that anyone is safe, we gotta look at history, and history has not smiled upon the Cardinals this year. Well, not recent history, so we could see, you know, Friday they have at least moved the game back on Saturday to a night game. You can get another round of testing, and then maybe doubleheader on Sunday. So you can get creative. They already have with the schedule with already four four doubleheaders. We'll see exactly uh, what direction they want to go in. I'm assuming that we'll hear more word from the St. Louis Cardinals today and find out more. Now, it's game day. We got the Blues. We've got the Canucks. It is game number one. You can hear that game tonight on 101 ESPN. The question right now for the Blues, they have yet to win a game up in Edmonton. Craig Berube asked if the team can finally raise their level play going into the playoffs. Well, I'm hoping. Like, I think our level should be high. You know, I think our guys understand that you know this is what it's all about here now and um but in the same time you know there's things like that i saw in in the round robin that i was not happy with so um you know our execution's got to be a lot better um and you know you, you can't just turn that on whenever you feel like it so you know there could be some things that we're still have to work out here uh going forward but 
you know, I think our guys understand how to how to play in the playoffs, how you have to, what you have to do to win. So that's a good sign, I think, for us. But uh, you know, it's going to be an intense hockey game. Vancouver's a good team, and they're going to come at us with everything. And so we're going to have to be ready. I thought it was interesting with the crossover yesterday, Jamie Rivers, and he said, you know, you look at it. He goes, I don't like to say this, and I'm paraphrasing, but you know you weren't really playing for a lot. You're playing for positioning and the seeds, but now it's all real. Now it means something. Now you've spent that time in the bubble and here we go. It actually means something. Let's get it on tonight. David Perron was talking about the game starting later. So here we are. We're in a bubble and yet they're playing Vancouver and still the game started 930 St. Louis time. I mean, I worry about Petro in the bubble life. No real estate to uh, to go go check on off days and things like that. <laughs> but uh, other than that, uh, I think he's gonna be fine. I, I don't worry about those starts. I think last year in playoffs, there's always different times. For me, when actually when I was here with Edmonton, we played a lot of eight eight thirty starts uh, on Saturdays, things like that. So for me personally, it doesn't change anything whether it's afternoon or, or at night. Yeah. Can I just get a like seven o'clock start time? I think I speak for everybody. Yeah, yeah, please. Definitely uh, with, you know, you coming in on the morning show tomorrow, Danny. Yeah. It's going to be it's gonna be a tough, tough task. Didn't they realize at an early start tomorrow? It didn't matter. I'm up early anyway, so I'll be fine with it. I'm I'm fine with the early start. I'm no, fine with a late start. Can, just, we, uh, can, we not, can we not do five overtimes tonight, please? That was entertaining hockey, though. Can you imagine if we're up till... When we have to leave for the work the next morning. It's okay. You know what? As I've said during all this, I'm not going to complain ever again about when I got to watch sports. We never should, right? That's a good call. We, you know, we just wanted sports, man. Now we got it, and I'm going to complain about five overtimes at two in the morning. Bring it. Great. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, Alex Petrangelo uh, is excited to finally see this all start. Yeah, David was just saying before we came down, I think we're past the hard part. It feels like forever. It's not easy uh, mentally, but I think once the games get going, we'll be uh, a little bit better. Minds will be uh, really dialed in here. We've had a lot of downtime in this qualifying uh, this time here. They gave us probably a little bit too much time to sit around, so I think we're excited to finally get this going and get on schedule. 573, Danny Mac, crybaby. No, not being a crybaby. Stop it. Just saying I wanted it like at 7 o'clock tonight. But again, like I said, I'm not complaining. I will do it and watch it whenever. I'm never complaining again about a start time. If they want to play at 2 in the morning, I'm fine. It's sports. Sports are back. I've missed sports. So don't call me a crybaby. You're the crybaby. Yeah. Come on. I'm the crybaby. No, we're not crybaby. No, 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 no. No, no, not us. Thank you. Him or her, whoever texted in. Nah, they're not (laughs) crybabies. All right, college football, they're uh, they are trying to make a season happen. We'll see if it happens, at least some of the major conferences. Jay Bellis, college basketball analyst, was on SportsCenter, and he talked about the Pac-12 and the Big Ten cancellations. It's not that we couldn't foresee this at the time. It seemed remote because we were dealing with something we really didn't have any understanding of. Our understanding of things has progressed some, but it's still very new. There are a lot of unknowns. So again, I'm not second-guessing the Pac-12's decision here because their footprint is very different than that of other conferences. There are far more hotspots, especially in the state of California where it's going to be very difficult. But for other leagues, I mean, I've been hearing from coaches nonstop saying that there's no reason that basketball cannot be played in November 
because students are leaving campus. I mean, basically every campus is going to be getting their students out before Thanksgiving. So that they're, most coaches are looking at this saying there's no reason that we can't uh, have our players isolated during that period and be perfectly safe to play basketball. Yeah, I'm wondering about that. Uh, specifically with St. Louis University, I'm just fired up about the Billikens. They have a chance to be really good. There was an article in the past 10 days talking about uh, SLU being a potential Final Four candidate. That's how highly thought of SLU is going into 2020-2021. By the way, how about the Big Ten? You know, they say, well, we're, we're out. And I, I honestly think that they felt in terms of football that other conferences were going to say, oh, well, the Big Ten, hey, we're, we're going out. So other conferences are going to follow and the other conferences go, no. Okay, see ya. I think the SEC is following anybody. No, not a chance. Not a chance. And why would you make that decision? If you're the Big Ten, you came out with a schedule and then five days later you say, well, we're out. I mean, why not take it to the final, final day, final week, to make that decision and in terms of saying well we can play in the spring and let's talk about this health and safety yeah that's got to be number one with these kids but you're telling me that health and safety and playing spring football and then turn around and playing uh, fall football is health and safety give me a break hey this is what eli Drinkwood said yesterday morning hey we're the leaders in college football for a reason man well yeah that's the sec but health and safety when you talk about a collision sport like football and these guys are pros, many of them, especially in the Power Five. And you talk about, let's say, the collisions, the injuries, concussions, and then all of a sudden you're going to bring these kids back in the fall? Give me a break. No. Uh-uh. No. No. Coming up, we talk with Brian Walton. We'll switch gears. Baseball next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Every Wednesday, it's a chance to visit with Brian Walton, really dive into the game of baseball and what's happening with the St. Louis Cardinals. Brian covers the minor leagues, also the major leagues at thecardinalnation.com. As always, Brian, great to hear your voice. Wish we were talking about what's happening on the field, but unfortunately, a lot of it is what's happening with the Cardinals off the field, trying to get back on the field. Uh, as always, good morning to you. How are things going? Good morning, Dan. Yeah, it's been two weeks since we've been able to watch a St. Louis Cardinal game. Here you make the call on TV, and it's you know it's just a difficult and uh, questionable time, right? You never know from hour to hour, let alone day to day, you know what the next turn, twist and turn is going to be. Let's dive into what's happening now. So this Friday would be officially three weeks from what was opening day when Jack Flaherty delivered that pitch against the Pirates. So most teams will be at the, what, I guess a third of the season for them will be done for a lot of teams. Uh, Some teams have hit that point come tonight, come tomorrow. The Cardinals will have played five games total. So how can they reasonably fit uh, a schedule of let's say 50 to 55 games, 58 games, 60 games, whatever the case may be in a short amount of time. How can they possibly do this? Well, at this point, Dan, if the Cardinals were, and this is a big if, if the Cardinals were able to start playing on Friday on schedule in Chicago, 52 games are currently scheduled. Now that includes four double headers in the month of September. So the schedule has gotten pretty jammed already in, you know, rescheduling some of the Detroit and Milwaukee 
uh, and Chicago games that were that were postponed already. But right now, if they got started on Friday, they would play 52. The question is, how many more of the eight will get pushed, you know, and added into the schedule later to try to create in whatever someone's mind is is a legitimate competitive fair season. Now, in terms of the actual schedule for the Cardinals to get back, uh, Rob Manfred said that they want to see at least three consecutive days without a new positive test before the Cardinals can return. Best case, that would probably say that they could come back Thursday and Friday probably to work out a couple of days of workouts, and they realistically probably couldn't return until Saturday. And the rumors, just rumors, if they were to return on Saturday, maybe they play a doubleheader on Sunday to make up the game on Friday. But again, at that point, only 52 games are on the schedule. And by the way, that's best case, assuming no more cancellations. Yeah, and that's, to me, reading the tea leaves, when they move the day game to a night game, that would give them a little bit more time to get more tests uh, results in on Saturday. Uh, and that's the way I read that as to why they would move that from a day game to a night game and then maybe potentially play Sunday. Again, rumor, just kind of reading things as we go on the fly. Um, no inside information on that, and then play the doubleheader on Sunday, and away we go. Um, who knows at this point, but that's that's where we're at at this point, right? You just kind of yeah, yeah, Dan, I think go. you're absolutely right. That you're absolutely right, because sort of the way the drill has worked out, we've learned, is that a test on today – the results get back late tomorrow. So you're on a good point. The Saturday game was moved from the afternoon to the evening. And again, probably to get that test result. And the reason why that's important is that, that last Thursday was the last day that the Cardinals were together. So that's the last time that the virus could have spread from player to person A to person B. You go to this Friday, that's eight days at least of a period of time where they would have had to be able to have tests where nobody's come positive. And then eight days is important because as we were told by John Mazalock, last outbreak, they had one case where the incubation period was eight days from when their contract tracing said the person was exposed until the virus um, symptoms showed up in that player, in that person. We don't know if it was a player or a coach, but eight days transpired between when that person was infected, they think, and when they showed the symptoms. So by buying more time, this gives the Cardinals a higher level of confidence that by you know having all the, everybody in quarantine, this isn't going to have another outbreak again because I think everybody agrees another outbreak would just be devastating not only to the schedule but also to the psyche and the physical conditioning and preparation of the players. Yeah, I, I don't know if they could come back from that. I, I just don't know. Um, what's interesting and crazy at this point is that you have the first outbreak of players that were positive, uh, names like Molina, and DeYoung and Ravello and Whitley and some of the others that, you know, when you look at the, the numbers here, and I'm, I'm trying to think about days and, and uh, negative tests uh, and trying to come back in time to play, they may ma- not miss time. I mean, think about that, Brian. They, they could actually have tested positive, uh, feel well enough to come back and play, test negative, be among the, the the players that fit the protocol and come back and not miss time. That that is a scenario that could unfold, correct? And yes, that absolutely, Dan. And that's one another positive benefit by this delay. I talked about the benefit of hopefully no players who are healthy becoming sick. But on the other side of the coin, the players who already were tested, some number of them were asymptomatic. We don't know who because we weren't told that detail. But but according to what we've seen from Jose Molina, Yachty was one of those who are asymptomatic. So let's take Yachty as the example. Now he's been able to test, and the, and the, 
The case for a person who tested positive, they have to have two negative tests at least 24 hours apart, no fever, antibody test, cardiac evaluation. But if they go through all that, those players are no longer at risk, right? They've been proven that they're past the virus, so they could be, in fact, activated. So you could get Molina, you could get Ravello, you could get DeYoung, you could get Sosa, right? All those guys are kind of in that first batch and have a possibility of maybe being ready to come back this weekend. And that is huge for for another reason, not only because of their skill and their, and their talent, but also that there aren't many guys left on the roster down in Springfield to call up. Well, that's the, the point that I've tried to make to fans because a lot of people, whether it's um, – in everyday life or just talking to people about what's going on, they, they say to me, well, wait a minute, you know, there's this taxi squad. And I said, yeah. And they say that there's a satellite camp down in Springfield. Yeah. Well, why can't they just bring these players up? And I said, well, hold on. It's not that easy because the idea was that if that happened, if there was a player that was positive, you could replace that player, player, singular, or two, and then bring a player or two up. Not six, seven, eight, nine, or 10. And there's 40 man roster implications with this. And that is the, the really the problem with this, isn't it, Brian? Because the, the 40 man implication with this is really difficult to try to explain to the fans, the business side of this and how it affects not only the now, but the future of trying to replace these players. You're, you're right, Dan. And, and the problem is that while there are 60 players in the pool, only 40 players are eligible to be called up and play in St. Louis at any given time. And you can't just take 20 guys off and put 20 new guys in. The 20 guys you take off have to be exposed to waivers, which means another organization could grab them. The challenge here is that, as you said, when they created the 60-man pool, they didn't think it would be used for mass substitutions. It would be used for a handful of players here and there. And unless MLB changes their rules to allow more of those players to be added to the active pool, most of the players in Springfield can't come to St. Louis. And in fact, in recognition of that, the Cardinals ha- have players in Springfield like Walker and Mason Wynn and you know guys that they just drafted who you know would have no business being in St. Louis. They'd be terribly overmatched. So you know, specifically knowing that they couldn't use all sixty, the Cardinals used you know half a dozen of those spots for prospects that are you know years away from St. Louis. I would assume that, let's just say for argument's sake, the Cardinals come back and play this weekend. Uh, it changes what they do with their roster. I, I would assume they've got to carry more pitchers than they do position players. Uh, would you agree with that? Because the pitching, it, they haven't been on the mound. I mean, these guys have got to get innings. So they've, they're going to have to carry more pitching than they maybe would normally do in this type of scenario. Yeah, that's a great point, Dan. And when the Cardinals came out of the break this last time, the rosters were dropped from 30 to 28 players, and the Cardinals defined their roster at that time as 15 pitchers and 13 position players because, you know, coming out of the first quarantine, they knew pitching would be stressed. Now that's even more the case. But the challenge is, you know, they've got, they've got Whitley now who's going to uh, have to go on the uh, IL, we would think. Well, no, Whitley's already on. But they've got other guys that are going to have to go on. And so where do you get, you know, 15 healthy pitchers ready to go. Unfortunately, you know, in hindsight, it was too bad that they brought up uh, Reyes and um, uh, Cabrera because then they got exposed. Whereas if they could have kept them down in Springfield, they could have kept pitching and, you know, kept, but, but anyway, that's hindsight. The point is, yes, of the 28, they're going to have to have a, a greater balance toward pitching because pitching is going to be highly stressed. And just on a normal schedule, let alone if they start cramming in all these double headers. I'm going to be fascinated how Mike Schilt and Mike Maddox try to balance health 
with, and I'm talking about baseball health, uh, obviously the health of the virus and trying to keep guys safe is number one, but um, the pitchers specifically trying to balance innings and making sure you don't push guys too hard because essentially it'd be like telling a fan, oh, by the way, the last three weeks of spring training, yeah, the guys are going to have five games and a couple of workouts and then see on opening day. That That's what the Cardinals are facing. That's how to put it in perspective, going into playing this weekend. I, I think you would agree with that. Um, yes, and I, so, I do agree. So so how do you how do you get, try to get innings? You know, I mean, you're going to have to piggyback, I would assume. So don't think about a normal five-man rotation. It's maybe going to be an inning here. I mean, you could see times where a guy starts a game. Maybe, maybe where a guy is starting a game and he's getting two outs and you see somebody up in the bullpen warming up just in case. I mean, that's, that's what you may have. That's it's a possibility. That's the opener you know, strategy that we've seen other teams around the game use in times of normal health. And I just want to make one more general point. You know, if you just look at what's happening around the game, the teams that had a normal June preparation and are playing a normal schedule right now, the, the high level of pitching injuries that we're seeing across the game. Now you think about the Cardinals who are going to have at most a couple of practices, you know, one, you know, maybe guy before he gets thrown out in a major league mound to pitch against Chicago. I mean, that's a daunting task for anyone. And so, yes, the Cardinals, you know, are going to have to have not only, of course, their starters ready, but people ready to pitch long relief. Maybe they're just going to have to pitch an inning a time every couple of days, uh, you know, to try to get through all these games. What would you do if you're the commissioner in this spot? Um, you know, Mo was on a, a Zoom. I was on it. I know you were on it. You asked Mo a question the other night about trying to get another update. But, you know, Mo said uh, or was asked about, you know, do you expect to get any kind of concessions from Major League Baseball? And he said, I, I'm paraphrasing, but he did say something to the effect of, well, we'll take any help we can get. And I, I think Major League Baseball has to look at that, Brian. I mean, it's unfair to try to fit this many games in with the current roster situation. I, I do believe that. I'm not sure what Very concessions cool. you can do. I, I I just don't know. Well, you'd have to make roster changes. You'd have to make some accommodation to expand the 40-man roster, the problem we talked about before, and let more players onto the roster without having to take others off. But that's something that would have – would it be only an accommodation for the COVID teams or would it be for everyone? And what are the financial uh, salary and service time implications, expense of that? And would other organizations want to do that themselves? Would they be willing to give the Cardinals that advantage? And uh, uh, Derek Gould ran down Rob Manfred uh, yesterday, uh, Monday, I guess. And, you know, Manfred didn't talk about any potential of making any changes or even studying it. He just made the generic comment, well, that's why everybody's got a 60-man roster. While he didn't, you know, acknowledge that, again, like we discussed, a lot of those players can't be used. So there would have to be some major structural changes. And, again, if that was going to happen, we would be hearing rumblings about it, and it hasn't happened yet. And you had uh, researched, I believe, how many players in Springfield at that satellite camp are on the 40-man roster. How many are there? The number is four. Wow. Now, now, again, where we're at right now, Dan, let's step back. The Cardinals had three new cases of players that, that came positive uh, that are not that are still on the active roster of the 28, supposedly. Because they, you know, because they uh, they haven't been replaced yet. So there's three players that have to be replaced right away. There are only four players down in Springfield that are on the 40 man roster. Two of them have never played above Double A. Well, three of them have never played above Double A. Alvaro Sejas, uh, Carlos Sanchez, two pitchers, third baseman Dolores Montero, 
And then the fourth player who does have major league experience briefly is outfielder Justin Williams. And Williams is, you know, the most likely one to be called up. They also have one open 40-man roster spot for, uh, as they put Miles Michaelis on the long-term injured list. So they could add one more player to the mix. But again, we're back to that point that says they've got to find a way to get the Molinas and the Youngs and that first batch of guys, some of those back, because they simply don't have enough players to activate to get to 28. And they've also added a catcher down in Springfield, correct? They did. And, and again, one of the other byproducts of, of putting Michaelis on the long-term injured list is that would enable the Cardinals to add another player to their overall 60-man pool. And that's a catcher that the Cardinals drafted a year ago named Pedro Pajes. And uh, his name is, is spelled P-A-G-E-S, but the Hispanic pronunciation is Pajes. And he came from Florida Atlantic, um, good stocky build guy. He uh, played at State College last year and was the best hitter on the State College team. His weighted runs created plus was 149, which is where 100 is average. And I compared that in the Cardinal Nation prospect guide to what Andrew Kisner did his first year at a lower a, a lower level in Johnson City, very comparable. Now, I'm not saying that Pice is going to be the next Kisner, but he's a guy that has some offensive talent. He was one of the many catchers invited to uh, Major League Spring training camp way, way back in March. And so he's a guy with some potential, and they just – you know, with Yachty down, they probably just decided they wanted to have another catcher. They have so now four a total of four catchers down in Springfield, but one of them, Jose Godoy, is unless something changes, will be the taxi squad catcher, which means he will actually be with St. Louis both at home and on the road. I think another aspect of this, Brian, is the the hitters. We haven't talked about them and timing and how guys can get buried very, very easily. They have not seen live pitching. Okay, they haven't seen live pitching for a couple of weeks now since their games in Minnesota. We know those were a struggle offensively. The final game against Pittsburgh was a struggle offensively many weeks ago. Um, The pitching, we're trying to talk about the health of those guys. Now, from a competitive standpoint, just facing live pitching, that has to be a concern, too, for Mike Schilt going into uh, any type of live situation that they may face this weekend. that, That has to be a major concern, too, for the St. Louis Cardinals. Absolutely, Van. I mean, as you as you correctly pointed out, the offense was hardly firing on all cylinders even before the the uh, timeout. And now, you know, they're going to get a couple of games, you know, a couple of days of practice probably before they have to go out and face experienced and you know conditioned major league pitching guys who've been throwing every fifth day or been throwing on a normal schedule. And so it's not going to be you know simple batting practice like uh, you know in the early days of spring training. These are going to be guys you know out at the peak form, you know, hunting for blood. And so, you know, it's going to be a tough, tough challenge for the St. Louis Cardinals to play competitive baseball when they get back, even if they were at full strength. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Uh, TheCardinalNation.com, that's Brian Walton. What are you working on? I'm sure you got a ton of information of what we're talking about and really dive deep into that. So tell us what you have at your site. Yeah, we're just trying mostly to, right now is to just keep people updated on, you know, what the pause means, uh, you know, what it, in terms of the positive tests and the rosters and all that. And we continue to have other features on other things, uh, you know, like about history and, and to sort of fill in. But, you know, the primary focus has been on uh, all the implications of the many things we've talked about today. Great stuff, Brian. Thank you. I appreciate it. It'll be interesting to see what we talk about next week at this time, won't it? Oh, my goodness. Will it ever. That's Brian Walton. We visit with him every Wednesday. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. 
65780. That is the text line. There's a ton of ground covered there with Brian Walton on uh, how the player movement could work coming up this weekend if the Cardinals indeed head back on the field and are in Chicago. We also mentioned how the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, they are shutting down football, it looks like, for the fall. And Paul Feinbaum was on SportsCenter and says uh, this is dysfunctional right now for the college football game. It just enunciates the dysfunctionality of college football. It's also one reason why we love it so much, because it's chaotic. It doesn't make any sense. There are always arguments, especially at the end of the season. But but this is unprecedented because uh, everyone wanted to play. Uh, I mean, I know there's some debate today about the Big Ten, and maybe it's justifiable. But everyone on the other side wants to play. They understand the challenge. But the reason why the Big 12 is so important is that if you're Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, or John Swafford, of the, of the ACC, how do you argue that, that you know more than two-thirds of the Power Five? It becomes a losable argument. It, it, I don't think it's possible to go on. They may go on a few more days, maybe a few more weeks, but, but if the Big 12 says tonight or tomorrow or sometime very soon we're not playing, it, it puts enormous pressure on the other two. Well, the SEC has said they do want to do uh, more investigative uh, research into the the health and the safety protocols that the other two have found out about, apparently, or they know about. You know, in particular, it's about what they're finding with COVID nineteen and some of the heart issues potentially with that. Taylor Twelman was on Sports Center with Sage Steele, and Taylor will be a part of our show tomorrow morning with the announcement coming up with the MLS. And uh, he says the conference is right now. What what is this about? Is this about the presidents? Is it about the ads? Is it about the coaches? Is it about health? Is it about power? What do, what do we have going on here? Money and power. It's extremely impactful. And no matter what anyone looks in this camera and tries to tell me that the NCAA, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 are not playing football because of COVID-19, uh-uh. Because if it was about science and if it was about COVID-19, then everyone would be in the same boat. But because everyone's all over the place, that tells you right now it's about power and they don't want to give it to the players. Secondly, and this is most importantly, I don't care what the industry is, leadership is disappointing across the board, both on and off the field. Explain to me this. Billions of dollars are going to the NCAA. This is the most trying time in my lifetime for that organization. And where are they? Where's President Mark Emmert? He's deflecting to every other conference. That makes no sense to me. And that's the disappointing factor for me because the student athletes don't have a voice. And guess what? They're never going to have a voice because these conferences are saying, you know what? The money and power, it's ours, not yours. I wonder where the uh, the image and likeness situation is right now for the players, too. We haven't heard much about that. So if they come back, I am curious about where that is and where that sits for the uh, the student athletes. It's something I've been thinking about. But interesting points from Taylor Twelman. He'll be part of the program tomorrow. We'll cross it over. Ribs and BK, and that's coming up next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Always good to have Ribs and BK on a game day. Hearing from Jamie Rivers and Brandon Kiley as the Blues will play in game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs in round one against Vancouver later tonight. Uh, all right, I'm assuming you got a lot of hockey talk coming up with your partner yeah. being uh, highly invested in what's happening uh, north of the border. Uh, are you saying Jamie's a hockey guy? I, I'm saying that. I'm, I'm actually a resident hockey guy on the show. He's our baseball guy. I think yeah. he flips the roles here, so I'm not really sure how to respond to this. But yeah, we've got plenty of hockey coming up. Uh, we've got Chris Kerber 
joining us at 11.30 this morning. And I think today we're finally going to learn how much of the round robin was real Mm -hmm. versus how much of that was just the Blues trying to find their game. Because this is the first time that everything is real. This stuff counts now, so there's no more excuses that can be had. What uh, What do you think happens in this series? So... I am to the point where I believe that the Blues were trying to get back to their game. I do think there are certain things that they just, they're not going to get there yet. They don't have their legs under them for Blues game shape, the way that Jamie would say it. And I don't think that's correctable in the amount of time that they had between their final round robin game and where we are today. They need to steal one of these first two games. If they can do that, I think they will buy themselves enough time to be able to prove over the course of the seven-game series that they're the better team. And I believe they're going to be able to do that. So I think they win. I think it goes six or seven games in a series that if it was where it was supposed to be in April, May, I think it would have been a five or six game series. But I think because of the way that the Blues are playing right now, I can't pick them that quickly. Um, I, I know you love college football. I do indeed. Eli Drinkowitz was on yesterday, and now we know uh, out west they're not playing football. Big Ten said, hey, we're not playing, and all of a sudden the other three conferences go, eh, okay, um, which I found interesting. They were like, oh, okay, they're not going to follow us, I guess. Um, are we going to have football? What do you think? I think we're going to start the season, Dan. Um, now, are we going to finish the season? I don't know. I view college football the same way that I view what we're doing with baseball right now. Every game that you get just appreciate it. Yeah. Just enjoy it. Take it for what it is. Understand that there are going to be inequities within the season. Mizzou may play 10 games this year. Maybe Alabama plays eight. Maybe Auburn plays six. I don't know how it's going to work. But if we get any games whatsoever, just take that for being a positive And don't worry about the fact that all of this other stuff, like, I don't know what the bull season is going to look like or if there's going to be a bull season. I don't know if we're going to be able to crown a national champion the way that we now do or if we're going to have to go back to the AP naming a national championship. It's going to be a weird year, but accept it for what it is and understand that at least we get something. Hopefully. I, I do find it fascinating that some of the points I hear that coaches say, are they safer being with us than they would be being out in the you know, at home? If they're it is vir- a little bit of a false choice, right? Because they're going to be on campus no matter what. And so you're you're really looking at, are they safer being within the football program or are they safer just being with the rest of the Can college Can you know, campus? create a football bubble? Not really. Yeah. These kids got to go to class. Because if you're going to say they're student athletes, they still got to go to class. Could you make it virtual for them? Same way you can for any other kid. Like mm-hmm. ja- Jamie's daughter goes to Mizzou, and she has classes where she has to still be in Columbia yeah. to go to class. So if you're, let's say there's a kid on the team that's a journalism major, right? Got to go to class for some of that stuff. You just have to. You have to be in person to learn some of that, those things. And so, yeah, you have to be there. That's, yeah. that's part of what we're what we're trying to learn right now is how much of that has to be in person, how much of it should be virtual, and that's kind of the balancing act. What do you have uh, coming up with Chris Kerber and who else? So we've got you coming up at 1 o'clock. Yep. We've got Chris Kerber at 11.30. I want to talk about this Blues restart with this round robin now over, finally getting into the postseason. And there are three things in particular that have to change if they're going to be able to move on in the postseason. We'll talk about what those things are coming up here in just a moment. Looking forward to it. Ribs BK next on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.